This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. We often ask ourselves in this crisis in the church, where are the good priests? Where are the good bishops standing up for what they believe? After all, they are our spiritual fathers. And yes, while we have a handful of better bishops, good, decent priests, ones who are traditionally inclined, at least in some things, to stand up for the truth of the faith, whether it's on questions of liturgy, the morality of the flesh, the unchanging, timeless teachings of the faith, or even basic administrative decisions being made by Rome that are clearly on their face, corrupt. We often ask, where are the shepherds? What, why, when will they stand up and say, no more? I have an interesting letter for you today. This was from an anonymous priest writing to you, the layperson. And he's not asking so much, where are the good priests? Where are the good bishops? He's asking, where are the good men? He's asking, where are the good laymen? Where are the good laity? Because it is our duty, he says, to resist, to stand up and say, no, no more. He frames this discussion, his letter, to you in the example of a parish that basically lost its traditional Latin mass when it was a diocesan parish, when the bishop in that diocese commanded that a parish TLM be moved to that parish's basement, which is honestly probably one of the worst places to have a mass offered in a basement, especially if that basement is not actually built for it. If it's a finished basement, then maybe. We've seen since Traditionis Custodis, many, and then the recent document that essentially repeated for Traditionis Custodis, many, many, many TLMs across the country and across the Western world moved to rector, rectories, basically, or to just Catholic school gymnasiums and auditoriums and other places. He is asking, when are the lady going to stand up for their rights and say no? That... And he reminds us that anger is itself not a sin. It is unjust anger that is a sin. But on the flip side of that, what is a sin is not being angry when justified, when you are confronted with real and honest and true evil. That is a sin. That is something this priest reminds us of, and he is right to do it. I'm going to give you the letter in full. His words are much more eloquent than I could ever be on this. Then after, we'll have some thoughts on this. So... The letter from the priest is published by LifeSite News several days ago. Father, where art thou? St. Thomas Aquinas, the premier theologian of the Roman Catholic Church, teaches, He who is not angry when there is just cause for anger is immoral. Why? Because anger looks to the good of justice. And if you can live amid injustice without anger, you are immoral as well as unjust. The injustices currently plaguing our secular and ecclesiastical world are so numerous, grave, and ubiquitous that virtue and goodness seem all but extinguished. These injustices are sinful and, as such, are firstly offensive to the all-good and all-just God. They are attacks against His infinite majesty and detract from the external honor and glory owed to Him by all creatures. Any man who possesses the virtue of justice is rightly provoked to virtuous, holy anger when he sees God gravely offended. That truth begs the question in our own day, especially in Catholic circles. 
Are we Catholics righteously angry at the offenses hurled at God by sinful men, especially the unjust and sinful conduct of our Catholic shepherds, who cease not to dishonor God and steal from the glory they are bound to give him as his sacred ministers? Is there no one burning with a zealous love of God to call these wayward shepherds to conversion and newfound fidelity to Jesus Christ and their sacred vocation? Now, considering injustices, we can think of those presently inflicted on Catholics striving to be faithful to the apostolic faith, tried and true Catholicism, handed down from Christ and the apostles through our forebears across the ages to us. Why are they the targets of injustice? They adhere to the tradition of the ancient Roman Rite liturgy, whose mass symbolizes and expresses the integrity of the Catholic religion. Since the publication of Pope Francis's decree Traditionis Custodis of July 16, 2021, the Roman authorities have striven to limit, marginalize, and eliminate the celebration of the traditional Latin Mass, 1962 Massale Romanum, from the life of the Church and of our faithful. Recent moves on the part of Rome seek to coerce diocesan bishops to banish these same celebrations and their attendees from parish churches. Unfortunately, various bishops have seen fit to do Rome's bidding. Is anyone burning with a righteous anger and rising up against this grave injustice? A couple of weeks ago, the faithful attending a very successful and edifying celebration of the traditional Latin Mass at St. John the Baptist Catholic Church in Allentown, New Jersey, in the Diocese of Trenton, were informed by their pastor that, as of the second Sunday of Lent, the local ordinary, Bishop David M. O'Connell, was relegating the community's Latin Mass to the basement of the church. The bishop's rationale for such a demand was none other than the tyrannical and unjust edicts coming from Rome. While Bishop O'Connell may be, by his own estimation, a good and conscientious man in the fulfillment of what he considers to be his duty, we are led to ask ourselves, what is this father of souls thinking? The common disease among even good Catholics, cardinals, bishops, and priests included is that a com command or law imposed by one superior is necessary, always good, just, and therefore must be obeyed. This is sheer legal positivism at work. It's a practical manifestation of might makes right, that the lawgiver, by merely enacting a law, makes this object of his law a good and virtuous thing, aligned with justice and the common good of his subjects. Woe not so fast. The law is an ordinance of reason imposed by authority for the common good and duly promulgated by the same authority. Thus, if a law, though duly promulgated, is unjust, unreasonable, or subversive of the common good, it cannot be a law in the true sense, and thus it cannot bind the conscience of the subjects. So it is with the recent commands of Rome regarding the traditional mass and the treatment of the faithful. Grave injustices and subversion of the common good mark these commands. The Catholic faithful are, in effect, endangered in their Catholic lives and stripped of their rightful claims as members of the Church. Their baptismal right is that of the Latin Church, and so they have a strict right to their traditional Latin rite heritage and spiritual patrimony that transcend the illicit innovations unjustly imposed on the Latin Church by Paul VI during the years following the disastrous Second Vatican Council. Rome's coercion of the bishops is simply unjust, and the actions of bishops to execute Rome's will in this matter is likewise unjust. What Rome and bishops such as Bishop O'Connell are doing to the Catholic faithful is unjust and immoral. Their deeds done under the false cloak of authority must be denounced and rejected. The faithful, bound by the first commandment of God and their baptismal promises, must defend and maintain their Catholic life, and refuse to be treated as pariahs in their own churches and parishes. 
Bishop O'Connell, only one example of too many ecclesiastics over the past 50 plus years, is objectively a bad spiritual father to his people. He may shout to the high heavens with his brother bishops about their stellar concerns for those physically and fleshly uh, misused by the clergy, but does he give a hoot about the spiritual abuse heaped upon the faithful for the past many decades in the church? Does he care that he is now spiritually doing the same to the faithful who attend St. John the Baptist by undermining their Catholic life and relegating them to the basement as second-class Catholics at best? By all appearances, Bishop O'Connell would have told Rosa Parks to sit down at the back of the bus and shut up about the injustices in the South at the time. After all, that's what the authorities and their laws demanded. Is he too obtuse to see his foolishness? It's hard to believe that would be the case. But then again, this is a man of the much vaunted Vatican II establishment, still gloriously reigning in the age of Francis's cruel mercy. Let's move on. Where are the faithful of St. John the Baptist? They caved into their pastor and bishop and now have mass in the church basement? Did not one of them see their gr the grave injustice perpetrated against the faithful and their families and resist it? Apparently not. The traditional Latin mass at any price has been revealed as their seductive idol. As long as they have that, they will accept any injustice against them, their spouses, their innocent children, and their fellow Catholics, thirsting for the fullness of Catholic life. Hard to believe, but there you have it. The hallmark of masculinity is this. A man protects the perimeters, guarding those within. Whether it be the borders of his own soul, his family, his community, his parish, his country, or his church, where are the men of St. John the Baptist who are called to love their families and neighbors by protecting them from all assaults to their well-being, especially their spiritual well-being? Men with responsibility for others do not have the luxury of suffering privately, disengaging from the fight against evil and quietly taking it on the chin when they are attacked. The eternal welfare of souls is at stake, as is most importantly the honor of the divine majesty, so grievously wounded by the injustice of ecclesiastics, who abuse their authority to steal bread from the mouths of their starving children. And when such evil is perpetrated, where are the men not only to fight it, but to make public reparation to Almighty God for the attacks against his honor and glory? Where are the men taking the lead to make reparation for the harm done to souls and to the places they are called to protect? The Catholic faithful desperately need leadership, but their spiritual fathers have turned against them, not just abandoning them, but actively working to destroy them. That is the sad reality presently before our eyes today. We cry out in the darkness to our spiritual fathers. O Father, where art thou? And we are met with the relentless stinging lash of soul-crushing tyranny, or even worse, the cruel indifference of men and fathers who could not care less for the honor of God and the true God or the true good of those whom they are called to cherish and protect. The few who muster the courage to fight with the help of God, must confront the darkness if God and his goodness are to regain their place in the church and the world. They must expect loneliness and pain, as did our Lord in this world. Such is the price to be paid without flinching. May they be privileged to utter with their dying breath the words of the great Hildebrand, otherwise known as Pope St. Gregory VII, who faithfully endured all for God's glory and paid the price. I have loved justice and hated iniquity. Therefore, I die in exile. If you made it to the end of this video, I thank you. You will find, I think, this letter will be challenging for many because in the church today we are told, really, that we must be obedient. And that takes a lot of different forms. Like, many of us can wrap our heads around the idea of that we're not to be obedient to evil, but that this call to obedience that is right and just in the church practically requires us to go find good, 
right-ordered leadership to rally behind. And for us, that typically means clergy. This is the part of the clericalism that we're told is so bad from Rome, from modernist apostate Rome. And yes, that is true to some degree, but there have been times in church history when it was the laity who stood up and said, no, you know, the time of St. Athanasius during the crisis of Arius in the fourth century famously locked bishops who followed Arius out of their own cathedrals, priests who followed him out of their own parishes, would rally around the few good priests and handful of remaining good bishops who stayed true to the faith and heard mass and received the sacraments from them. That's what the laity did in their time, which at the time had been considered the worst crisis in church history because almost the entire hierarchy, except the Holy Father and a handful of bishops, had fallen into that heresy. We now have a similar kind of situation in the church today. It was the time of St. Athanasius and the crisis of Arius where you get the famous line from St. Athanasius that says, they have the buildings, we have the faith. It has been a long-used, almost slogan or rallying cry of traditional Catholics since the 1960s, dug out of like the you know, ancient antiquity, that if it wasn't for the modern mess in the church going back all that way and including every single pope of that time to some degree or another, if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't know who St. Athanasius is. But he is, I think, one of like the patron saint of the crisis in the church for a good reason, because we see his leadership and his example and his words being a guided star for us in this time. And the priest asks a good question, where are the laity? So where are the laity? Why aren't we taking a more active role? What would happen, do you think, in the example of that parish in the Diocese of Trenton, if the laity had told Bishop O'Connell, no, we're not going to let you do this? I think what would have happened is the bishop would have probably punished the priest if he had gone along with it and would have just taken the TLM out of that parish permanently. Now, the laity in that diocese, I haven't checked to see in that diocese where, you know, the SSPX are located or any independent chapels are located from any priests who decided that they had just had enough of the current order of things and were going to do their duty as shepherds without any official backing, which I think is justified in certain circumstances. But how many of them do you think would have gone to a better situation at that point? Probably not as many as you might think because of current stream of propaganda going against the SSPX. I mean, I know that the FSSP aren't available in every diocese, and some people are just not willing to drive more than 20 minutes for Mass, and I don't know why that is. Um, I mean, granted, the Diocese of Trenton may have really astronomical gas prices. I'll grant you that, but... Should the lady camp out at the cathedral, start making kind of a ruckus of themselves, demanding their rights as Catholics be respected? against an unjust and, frankly, on its face, illegal command coming from Rome. And a boneheaded interpretation of said command coming from Rome. The laity do need to take a greater step in this, a greater role in all of this. Otherwise, we're just going to find ourselves back in the 1970s with mass in the basement and a lot of well-meaning Catholics telling us, just obey, it's valid. Just go to your clown mass. That's my thought on this. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. Sharing this on social media, that helps a lot too. As always, pray for the church. 
I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.